Just because you could doesn't mean you should. There you go. Good. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited about this lesson. I got convicted as I was going through it, and so I, um, we'll just see where we go. So let me pray. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for today, and Lord, I thank you for these ladies that have gathered to hear your word, Father God, and I pray that's what they hear today. Lord, a word from you, um, a word that speaks to their souls, that encourages their hearts, that strengthens um, their spirits, Father God, that, um, that encourages them to be more and more the godly women that you desire them to be, Father God, that you desire each of us to be, Father, that transformation that takes place, Lord, as I just shared, you know, 15 years ago, who I was is not who I am today, Lord, and I pray that in 15 years... I'm not the same person I am today and 15 years, and I'm more and more like Christ if you choose to tarry. And, Lord, I know that is the, the cry of the ladies in this class, Father, and I just thank you for your, um, your grace, your mercy, your long-suffering with us, Lord, that we, I would have wiped me off the face of the earth a whole long time ago. Um, but you tolerate us, and you bless us, and you don't just tolerate us. You love us. You, it never, you never say, oh, you know, she let me down. Um, you never say that about us. Um, because you have no expectations for us. You know who we are. You know how you formed us and know how we were created. So, Lord, I pray that in these next 30, 45 minutes, Father God, that you would just um, settle a peace and a presence over us, Lord, that the, we all have trials, we all have difficulties that um, are outside this room, Father, and I just pray that those would be cleared away and that we could um, just rest, find um, sustenance for our soul. Um, and really practice the Sabbath um, over these next few minutes, Father God, as we, sh as we share about what I feel like you've put on my heart. Lord, we're um, grateful for who you are, and um, we're blessed by your blessings in our lives. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, who was here last Sunday with Diane? Good. Good. Okay, great. Thanks. I mean, I, and then I didn't even know Carol wasn't going to be here, and I know Donna was here, and so I appreciate that. And, um, and I didn't even get a chance to call... Uh, Diane this week and thank her for that. I hope y'all were blessed. Mm -hmm. What did she share on? Do you guys even remember? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. Yeah. My mind's blank right now. I was just curious. She was going to kind of share a testimony related to what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. She said she might. She okay. She, she said she. She started to. It, she considered it, but she decided to, to do this other. Thing. Okay. Well, good. And, um, I mean, either way, I, I said, whatever you feel called to do. Um, I told her what my next line was, and so she said, um, well, I can do that. And I'm like, I want to do it, too, so you can do it, but, you know. It was more on being overwhelmed. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's good. Maybe I should have come to that lesson. <laughs> Mark 13 and Matthew 24. Okay. okay, good. That's, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. I'm not overwhelmed yet, but I'm not just, definitely not underwhelmed, so <laughs> that's where we are. Um, we were, we were scheduled to do lunch today, but I was wondering if we could push it till next Sunday. And part of the reason why is I want Carol to be there and I want Donna to be here as we talk about kind of planning. Is that any, does anybody, is everybody okay with that that was planning on coming or wanting to come or, you know, okay. So let's push that off till next, um, next week. So, okay, let's do a quick review, um, of Titus 2, bid the older women. We always want to skip over that, but we are older women. And somebody asked me the other day, and um, uh, what is your age range in your class? And I said, well, we got girls in our 20s, and we got girls in their 60s. 
And so we, anywhere in between, and I love that. And I love, that's the way I feel like it's, it should be. And so there's always somebody younger than us that we can engage in um, and, and minister to their lives. Um, we're to be reverent and devout in our deportment. Um, so our behavior is one of deference. Um, we're reverence to the Lord and to those that are around us. We're devoted to the Lord. Um, he's our number one. He's our priority. He's our emphasis. And we need to model that in different ways in our lives as we talked about. Um, because we are engaged in sacred service. And I think that's so important. You know, whatever we're doing, we're engaged in sacred service. Um, uh, every moment of every single day, we're called to be that because we're the priest. And we talked about that a little bit from First Peter. We are the priest. You know, in the old, I'm trying to read the Bible through in, in, in a year. And um, I'm in Leviticus now, which I think Pastor one time said, you know, that's kind of the graveyard of read the Bible through in a year. And, and so, but I'm in Leviticus and I'm, I'm on chapter 11, so I'm pressing through. And so... Um, numbers is also one that usually gets to me too, and and um, and it you know because I, I want to skip over who begat it who you know, but I thought you know God knows their name and He knows my name. And it's important for me even if I struggle through that to to read their names you know even if I murder them. And um, sometimes when I've done it in the past, um, taken I have the Bible on CD and I'll just play for that month the Bible on CD. So it really, I'm just listening to somebody else speak it, but reading it along so I get the name. Anyways, I don't know where that came from, but um, not slanderers. We talked about that uh, two weeks ago, um, and that really has continued to convict me, and um, no condemnation, but it has convicted me about speaking truth, and even this past week, I had to go back to somebody and apologize for speaking, you know, ill of somebody. It wasn't even necessarily, it was truth. I thought it was truth, you know. I think somebody's a loser. But I didn't, like, have to tell everybody I saw that they were a loser, you know. <laughs> I mean, so, so, and I could be wrong in the, them being a loser, but I didn't have to tell everybody. I mean, I could have just told one person, vented it, moved on, you know, that one say, but no, no, I had to tell everybody. And then, so this week we're, um, we're talking about not being slaves to drink. Um, and then later on they give good counsel and teachers of what is right and what is noble. Um, I went and pulled what, how the other um, translations have um, translated that slaves to drink. The NIV call it, said it was ad- addicted to much wine. Um, the message talks about that they should not be drunks. Um, the New Living Testimony, just, uh, New Living um, Translation says that it sh- they shouldn't be heavy drinkers. King James, given to much wine. And, of course, the ESV also is similar to the Amplified, and then it's the slaves to much wine. And Matthew Henry in his commentary on Titus Titus 2 said this, The word denotes such addictedness, such addictedness, as to be under the power and mastery of it. This is unseemingly an evil in any, but especially in this sex, meaning the female sex, and age. Matthew Henry wrote this in the Victorian period, and so it was a little different than... Like, it's probably, I didn't, think, I didn't think it's appropriate for a male to be drunk either, but I guess he didn't want to talk about them, um, as well as age. And was too much to be found among the Greeks of the time and place. How immodest and shameful, corrupting and destroying purity both of body and mind. Of what evil example and tendency, unfitting for the thing, which is a positive duty of aged matrons, namely to be teachers of good things. So pretty much what it says is it pretty much ruins your ability if you got drunk, if you drank too much wine, if you were addicted to wine. Um, and, uh, and that is, that is where it's going to have to, there's a lot involved in this lesson, but I think that's one of the things that it comes down to. I mean, I have friends that they're not alcoholics, but at five o'clock every day they go home, they have a glass of wine. I mean, 
Are they, so do they have mastery over that? You know, does, it, does that wine have mastery over them? Does it have power over them? I don't know. That's, that's, you know, that's how they have to determine that in this situation. You know, does caffeine have mastery over me? I mean, I can pull it on that side too, and I can say probably yes. And sometimes it's just the habit of it. Smokers talk about that, that it's just that, um, you know, just that you drink a cup of coffee and you go and you smoke a cigarette, and that's just kind of, that's their time. They relax. In a lot of ways, I mean, smoking's not good at all, but, you know, especially now that you, like, can't smoke at your desk and you've got to go outside the building, you know, at least you're taking a mental break for 15 minutes, 5 minutes, 10 minutes. It's almost like, I, I just need to do that. Um, but is there mastery in that? Is there habit in that? And that is, um, I mean, that's between you and, and, um, and your Lord in determining that. I want to make this very, very clear, and this is why I actually printed it out, and I wanted to say this so that I said it the way I felt. I believe there is no biblical support. I say that no. I say that there's probably, I say that with about 95% because there's one verse I'm going to share with you that I think there could be biblical support. But there is no biblical support to say you cannot drink wine. But I'd like to con- you to consider today that just because the answer is no is yes, the best. Just because the answer is no, you know, like, no, there's no biblical support. I have the freedom. It's really, is it best for us to go out and drink wine? And um, so I want us to look today at first at 1 Corinthians 10, 23. 1 Corinthians 10, 23. I have it for you in the Amplified. Let me read it first in the ESV. I mean, in the message, I have it for you. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, 23. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. And then I thought the Amplified, I mean, the message really spoke it well. Look at it one way. You could say anything goes because of God's great generosity and his grace. We don't have to dissect and scrutinize every action. You know, that was, I mean, that was written in a time when the Pharisees had, whatever, 637 laws and I mean, everything, they had, they had a law for everything, and every action, every thought was scrutinized, and they had actions. He's saying, we don't have to anymore because we're covered under the grace. The, the covenant was fulfilled. It was fulfilled through Christ. So we don't, have to co- we don't have to scrutinize every action to see if it will pass muster. But the point is not just to get by. We want to live well. And that's really the key, I think, in so much of all this, anything that we do. We don't want to just get by. Okay, did I, did I fulfill the commandments enough to get my check, to get the blessing, to get my reward, to get whatever, to do? That's not, we want to live well. We want to live abundantly. And I want us to really look at it um, as we look especially at this, to slaves to drink. Because, I mean, you know, that's like a no-brainer. I don't think anybody even outside the, the, um, the, in the secular would say, oh, it's okay to be, a, you know, a drunk. I mean, I don't think anybody would do that. Um, and it's interesting, I, you know, one of my... Okay, where I'm addicted, I could probably feel this in here too. I love Intervention. Does anybody ever watch Intervention? On oh yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I mean I like I watch the reruns. I mean I go online, I watch it reading. Intervention is a show on A and E. It's on Monday nights, um, right before Hoarders, which I also, um, I also watch yeah I also watch Hoarders too. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm addicted to both of those, and that can be another lesson you guys can talk to me about. But Intervention is about a family uh, has come to the point that they feel like that they have to intervene in someone's life because of their addiction. Um, in the old shows that were like three or four years ago, it included even things like shopping, someone was addicted to plastic surgery, 
But for the most part, the addiction is um, uh, is drug related, whether it's alcohol, whether it's methamphetamine, cocaine, you know, heroin, um, uh, uh, puffing, you know, doing aerosol cans. Um, those are all those kind of things. And so it is. Um, it's interesting to see uh, even even the alcoholic in that, even the one who's addicted and admits that they're addicted. They're like, you know, it's not a good thing, but I am, and this is who I am, and I, you know, and they act like it's quesarasara, you know, but they can never say that until they have another drink or take another hit and realize where it is. So intervention, it's, it's very interesting, and so they show, they show the addiction, and then they show the, um, the intervention, and, um, and then not, al it's al not always do they have a good ending. I mean, there's several times where the, People didn't take the intervention. They didn't go to the treatment center. There are times, just recently I saw a rerun, that it was he did go, but he had esophageal cancer, and he got sober, and he was sober for 80 days, had to come home because the cancer was so um, advanced. He died 20 days later. Um, but his you know, little 10-year-old son said he died sober. I'd rather him die sober than be alive and be a drunk. And so, anyways, very, you know, just the, the extent of addictions and how it plays and the power of it um, that we want in our lives and that even the, the drunks do that. So what I want to hit for us today is just some points I want you guys to consider. Um, and I've considered this because I'm coming to you probably before I did this study with kind of a, you know, well, it's probably, it's, it's probably not best to drink, but, um, I mean, it's not biblical to drink, but it's probably okay to have a glass of wine every once in a while. But after I've read this, I've gotten really convicted, and I'm still seeking the Lord on what the final answer is for me personally. For me personally. Not for anybody else. I mean, you guys personally have to do that, because I can't give you a hard-line core that's saying, look. But I, I'm going to give you some points here that make you consider maybe possibly that um, alcohol is not something we need to even, even play with. So, number one, drinking wine is not good for you mentally. Mentally, drinking wine is not good for you mentally. A lot of the verses I'm pulling from are Proverbs. Again, even further emphasize the fact that these aren't absolute maxims. Proverbs are um, um, uh, they're not promises. They're kind of they're they're, pair, they're they're proverbs. I mean, that's exactly what they are. This is chances are if this happens, then this will happen. Not 100 percent of the time, but this is how it's going it's going to happen. Proverbs 20 verse one says, "Wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler." And whoever is led astray by it is not wise. It's not wise. So is, um, as we drink wine, it's a mocker. It doesn't say if you consume a lot of wine. It doesn't say if you can, you're drunk on wine. It just says wine is a mocker. And mocker is someone who teases, laughs at, scorns, shows contempt. Strong drink, a brawler, some put beer in there. That's how it's led. And if you're, let, you're going to be led astray by it. It's, and whoever does that's not wise. And mentally it's going to affect you and how we think based on what that says there. Um, secondly, I think it's not good for us physically. And I was going to like, um, I mean, I can pull the, the whole stats, you know. And this is the truth. Before this lesson, I'm telling you, a big reason why I didn't drink wine it's because there's so many stinking calories in it, and there's such empty calories. <laughs> I mean, it just is. You know, four ounces of wine, you get 110 calories. I'm thinking, holy smokes, you know? See, I know, you know? And um, I'm thinking, man, there's other things I'd, probably, I'd rather waste my calories on. You know, I'd rather have another serving of pasta than, you know, than a glass of wine. 
And, and then just physically how it just deteriorates our body and what it does to our body and dehydrates us and our, doesn't, our skin, it ruins our skin. It's not good for our skin. But Proverbs 21.17 says this, Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. And so I feel like that we will not, it will affect us physically. We won't be rich, especially those who love it. And you see that again and again. It's expensive. Good night. Alcohol is expensive. We really struggle. Uh, I don't know if we struggle or not. That, that might be a little tense word, but um, with, with the ministry of Lifehouse, we're very, very ecumenical. And so we've got, you know, Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, Charismatic, um, Cat, uh, did I say that, Episcopalians, Catholics. So we've got a real range and especially thoughts of, so some of those folks, it's like, yeah, we need to have a cash bar. <laughs> and other folks are like, you know, no, you know. And there's some ministries that I know that actually pay for the wine to be served at a dinner. And I was like, okay, the Baptists in my group, you know, and others in my group would not approve of that. But if you want to have a cash bar, have a cash bar. But it's amazing. It still costs us money. We still have to pay for the bartender, you know. And it's a couple hundred bucks for us to do that. And um, it's expensive. It's expensive, and it takes from our riches. And um, if we love, we just know in general, if we love pleasure all the time, we'll be a poor man. And it goes into, I mean, loves wine and oil. They will not be rich. We know that oil, I mean, I think that's the fatty food and all that kind of stuff that I could, you know, I could absolutely say 100%. That is definitely a conviction for me. So mentally, I don't think it's good for us. Physically, we can prove that it's not good for us. Thirdly, emotionally. Emotionally, it is not good for us. This is an amazing verse. Um, Proverbs 23, 29 through 31. Proverbs 23, 29 through 31. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who tarry long over wine. Those who go to try mixed wine, which would be an alcoholic, I mean, would be liquor. Do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. So don't even look at it. Don't even look at it. When you do, and if you tarry long over wine, and that tarry long over wine, that is for everybody personally to choose what that looks like. For me personally, you know, that's changed between, you know, last week and this week. And I have an alcoholic mom, so I mean, that is, I mean, she's recovering, praise the Lord, but, you know, you tear you long over wine, you're going to have woe, you're going to have sorrow, you're going to have strife, you're going to have complaining, you're going to have wounds without cause, and you're going to have redness of eyes. You're going to have redness of eyes. Which tears, pain, sorrow is all mixed on that. And so I think emotionally it can really drain you and pull, it, pull you down. And pull those others around you that are down. Okay. Whatever point we're on, number four. And these, I want to spend some time really on these, these last few heavily. This is the verse that I think that you can say, I, 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 this, is the, this is the one I'm hanging my hat on. You guys can hang your hat on it or not. But you, drinking wine is not good for you spiritually. Drinking wine is not good for you spiritually. I had underlined this in the past. Um, and I kind of forgotten about it, but I'm Leviticus, and so I read this yesterday morning. This was my reading yesterday morning. It's Leviticus 10, verses 9. And I'll just, the backstory on this, um, the, uh, the Lord is giving Moses the, um, the laws for the priest. And so Moses is talking to Aaron at this point, 
his two of his sons had already been killed because the sons earlier in, the, in verse 10 on, uh, chapter 1 chapter 10 verses 1 through 4 talks about uh, Nadab and Abihu had been killed because they had authorized un, they had they had given unauthorized sacrifices I mean so we're, we already know how serious this is when you do not follow the laws of the priest and so verse this is so he gives all these other, go outside bury them in the tomb of the meeting lest you die blah blah and verse 8 says, And the Lord spoke to Aaron, saying, Drink no wine or strong drink. You or your sons with you when you go into the tent of the meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statue forever throughout your generations. And let's just make this very clear. The laws, God hasn't changed about his laws. Like, if you fornicate in the Old Testament time, they would stone you. Okay, praise the Lord that Christ died on a cross to pay for our stoning for those that have fornicated. You know, praise the Lord Christ died on the cross to pay for lying and cheating and stealing. Earlier in Leviticus, it talks about unintentional sins. You know, there was a penalty for that and a sacrifice that had to be made. Praise the Lord God covered that. But God's thoughts toward these things, he still hates fornication. I mean, you know, it's just that we don't have to pay the penalty for it. That didn't change, Okay. And so, I believe in that same way. He still says to us, okay, look, if you're a priest and you go into the tent of the meetings, don't drink. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Because now we're under a different covenant, right? You know, the tent of the meeting there was where the, 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 the presence of the Lord would come. And the tent of the meeting was the forerunner to um, the tabernacle. And then ultimately... Um, Solomon's tabernacle that, that, that David got the stuff together and Solomon built it. Most glorious place. But now we're under a new one. We're in a new covenant. And what does it say in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10? And do you not know that the righteous... Whoops. 19. I'm sorry, I was at 9. 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. So how I connected the dots on those two things is this. In the Old Testament, they said, look, if you're going to be a priest and you're going to serve the Lord in the tent of the meetings, don't drink before you go into the tent of the meetings. Okay? Fast forward, you know, 3,000, 4,000 years. Here we, well, really more, 6,000, including us. And here we are today. And it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are now the tent of meetings. 1 Peter tells that we talked about sacred service. We are the priests of the Lord. We are the priesthood of the believers. And therefore, any time I walk in my body, as long as I'm not walking in my body, I think I probably don't have to drink. But if I'm walking around in this body, because I'm always a priest of the Lord, I'm always under in the tent of the meetings. For me personally, I can't drink. At least I die. Now, am I going to physically die? No, because Christ has paid the penalty for that. But is there some other consequences that might come along? Yeah, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. There's some challenge in that, especially coming as an from an alcoholic family. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's just crazy for me to even tempt it. But that's that to me, and I think, I mean, I can hang my hat on that. I can hang, personally hang my hat on that. Everybody else has got to hang their hat on something different. But when I mean, you hear my heart on this, girls, I mean, that's where I, I want you to know. That's where I'm coming from is, is a big part of that. And so um, 
I think spiritually, we really can undercut what the Lord has for us and we choose, especially in our world today. I mean, back in this time, you know, you didn't have water. You didn't have a, a, a sink, in, I mean, a kitchen sink that you could just turn on the spigot and get liquid to drink. And I don't think that Jesus turned water into grape juice. I mean, I believe Jesus turned water into wine. It, and especially in that culture in that time, that's, you, if you had liquid, it had to be wine. Because water, I mean, you know, they didn't have water. So they took the juice and all that stuff. So I'm not saying that, you know, I don't, I don't want to water down that, so to speak. Um, but in our culture today, there are so many other things I can do to drink to satisfy the thirst in my body as opposed to just having wine. <coughs> so, okay, it's also not good for those that we lead. Those that you lead, it's not good for those that you lead. Proverbs 31, 4 and 5 says this. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm in Psalm 31. I'm like, that is not what Proverbs 31 says. <laughs> make it work, Lord. Give me wisdom on how to make that work in. Proverbs 31, 4 and 5 says this. It is not for the kings, Olamu. It's not for the kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink. At least they drink and forget what they have decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. It doesn't say you as kings, it's not good for you to drink a lot of wine. Or it's not good for you to drink, be addicted to wine. It says it's not good for you to drink wine, period. Or strong drink, period. And for those that we lead and those of us that um, come from a situation, especially with children or those that we have influence, any position of leadership that we have, I'm just like it's saying, look, it's not good at all because you might forget some things. I know just after one glass of wine, my inhibitions are down, I forget things. And I might not be as nice or I might be too nice. Just from that. And I can't leave. Perver and it says you will forget least they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Those of you who have children in your home or you have influence in children. Let me tell you, this is a big thing that really is going to... All right, let me just share this... What it what I pull from focus on the family and then my heart on that. I don't have any children in my home. But I have kids that I pray for on a very regular basis that I have great influence, that I hope I have great influence in their lives. And, um, and even before I taught this lesson, I would have never drank a glass of wine in front of them. I'm thinking, well, if I'd never drink a glass of wine in front of them, you know, why do I do it when they're not there? Isn't that, where's your integrity in that? Where's your hypocrisy in that? So... Focus on the family said this and drug proofing your home. <clears throat> on their website, I should have written it down, but I forgot what it was. I forgot their website. But it's from Focus on the Family's um, teen, helping parents raise teens. This is what it says. When it comes to drugs, two adages are worth noting. Children live what they learn. I'm sorry. Children learn what they live. And what parents allow in moderation, their children will do in excess. Well, not absolute truths, and those aren't absolute truths, but man, we can see it, can't we? That some, I mean, I can look at what my parents did in moderation, I, I do in excess. Um, for good or for bad, either way, for good or for bad. While these are not absolute truths, these maxims reflect the reality that kids <coughs> look to their parents for cues as to what is acceptable behavior, while at the same time they're developing the discernment required to understand moderation. If you smoke, your offspring will probably do likewise. But it's never too late to quit, and your decision to give up cigarettes will make an important statement to all the members of your family. 
If you consume alcohol at home, what role does it play in your life? Do you need to drink to unwind at the end of the day? Is it a necessary ingredient at every party or family get-together? If so, your children will get the picture that alcohol is a tension reliever in the life of the party, and they will likely use it in a similar fashion. And so as we lead, whether it's our own children in our own homes, or whether it's for me, Ellen, I know we've got nephews and she's got nephews, I got nephews and nieces that I want to impact greatly. And I don't want to do, I don't want a glass of wine to cause my boys to stumble. Because we don't know what they're going to do in excess. And I hope they're going to do righteous things in excess. That's my prayer. I want them to do righteous things in excess and not unrighteous things in excess. Because there's plenty of unrighteous things that I've done and even that I do today that they're going to probably look at and be involved in. But it's like, okay, this is one. This one thing I can do. And I can say no to wine and alcohol. And I can say to them, don't drink. Don't even start. You know, well, will you drink wine? What's, you know? I've got friends that, that they, in their home, five, there's a 5 o'clock ritual, mom's having a glass of wine. And now her son's 19 years old and going out and getting drunk at college, or not at college, but just going out and getting, I mean, he's, either way, he's at college doing it, he's doing it at home. And you know, he's an adult, and he could die in a war for us. And mom's like, well, you shouldn't do that. Mom and dad both. And so he's coming back and saying, why, why shouldn't I? You know, mom, you don't get drunk every night, but I remember that Christmas party last year. You know, where she ran her mouth and she drank too much. It's just like, whoa, man, is it worth it? And if we're looking at wine to be able to relieve us and settle us down at the end of the day, isn't that really what, isn't Christ supposed to be our Holy Spirit that dwells in us, to be our comforter, to be our peace? And we're we're looking somewhere else other than Christ for stress relief in our lives when he's provided other ways that are, you know, get in the word, listen to praise and worship, run. Not run. I mean, that's what I would do, but, you know, that could be one. Get on the treadmill. Burn off those. Don't use that as a stress reliever. And it's and we so often, I mean, we make it the life of the party. I remember my parents. I mean, that was, I mean, alcohol was always at all, the, you know, any party we had, there was alcohol. And you know what? At 16 years old, I'm having the keg parties at my house. You know? And my parents knew it because we did an excess. They would have a bottle, they'd have a 12-pack, we'd have a keg. So... Way back before, way back before. And then finally, um, not only is um, drinking wine not good for us mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, um, for those that, are, that we lead, but also for this, those that are around us. For those that are around us. Um, Romans 14. Romans 14, 23 says this. I'm sorry, 12 and 13. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a believer. I know in a... I know, yeah. um, oh, verse 14, it does go to that. I know what I'm saying. I know I'm persuaded in Jesus Christ that nothing is unclean in itself, but is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. Um, you know, I stand before you guys, I stand before other people, and I say I'm a Christian. Um, and then I go out to dinner, and I have a glass of wine, 
and others see me have a glass of wine and think, well, you're not any different. And they could say that. They could be wrong. I mean, that doesn't mean that it's, that it doesn't mean that they're right in saying, well, you're no different because you drink wine because there's a whole lot of other places that are different in life. But you know what? By me choosing to not order a glass of wine with my pizza so that somebody else doesn't look at me and say, you know, well, you're different. You're no different. It's a stumbling block for them. Does that make sense? As opposed to if I sit here and say, you know, I don't drink. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. Why don't you drink? Well, because I think that, you know, I want to be different. I want to be set apart. I want to be different than that. They're probably never going to comment to the fact that you don't drink, but they are going to comment to the fact that, man, that you do drink. And so does that make sense? And to them, if it's, and then the other side is this. Um, We all deal with different people in different areas in the Christian world, and some people might tend to be more legalistic than I am um, or might tend to lean toward more... um, just be different in how we interpret and how we look at Scripture. And I don't want a brother, a believer, a fellow believer to say, um, to not be able to hear what the Lord maybe spoke to me that I feel like I need to speak to them because the fact that I drink is a stumbling block to them. It blocks my ability to communicate because I say, well, you know, well you dr- you're a lush. I'm not even going to talk to you because I think if you have one glass of wine, you're a lush. It's like, you know, I'm not, I don't want to go there. I don't even want that to be an opportunity for someone else to, to not stumble or fall. You know, I've heard Beth teach on this very thing. And she has exactly what she says. She'll say the same thing. She would never consume wine because she doesn't want anybody to ever throw it to be a stumbling block for somebody else that comes along the way. And it's too often that it can. And we can get into drunk driving and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I mean, Carol Lewis would never consume wine, you know, because her daughter was killed by a drunk driver. I'm not going to, we're not going to do that. She's not going to consume that. 1 Corinthians 8.13, and that's the last verse for us today. 1 Corinthians 8.13 says, Therefore, if, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. So we can put food, we can put wine, we can put whatever in there. I don't want to cause anything to cause my brother to stumble. And if they look at me and they say, Hey, Beck, well, she's a strong believer and she drinks, so it must be okay. You know, she's a strong believer, she cusses, she's a strong believer, she slanders, she's a strong believer, so it must be okay. And it, I don't want a brother to stumble over a glass of 110 calories, four ounce fermented grape juice. I don't want it to happen. Um, but it's, it's for each of us to decide. It's for each of us to decide. And, the, and there, trust me, there's absolutely no condemnation in this. This is all a journey and a walk and a process that we go through. And, um, you know, don't invite me, don't not invite me to a party at your house, you know, because <laughs> you're going to have wine there, you know. I'll just choose not to participate, and I'm not going to sit over and say, well, they didn't listen to my lesson, you know. <laughs> That's not at all where I'm coming from. But I think it's so important for us to, to look at these things and to consider these things and to make these choices for ourselves. I, I, I'm kind of like Moses in some ways. Moses said to the Lord, he said, um, when, Moses, when the burning bush occurred, Moses said, um, you know, tell me what to tell to the people. And the Lord said, I will teach you what you're to say. And see, I'd rather just, just give me the download, give me the list, check it off, and move on. And the Lord's like, no, I'm going to teach you so that you know how to teach others. So he's going to teach us to discern and divide the Word of God. And when you start pulling these scriptures out and really looking at it, what is the Lord speaking to you, your Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you, that lives with you day in and day out, moment by moment? What does he say to you? 
The takeaways that I want you guys to consider is, um, number one, does wine have mastery over you? If so, please let me help you get help. Um, I say that both for the six or seven ladies that are in here, but I also say that because, believe it or not, people listen to this all over the U.S. Um, I have friends that say, are you posting your Sunday school lesson? And so it's online, and um, I'm, not a, I'm not too naive to think that there are people that will listen to this that have a problem with alcohol, and they are addicted to it, and they don't know how to get help. And their friends or their families are not there to call. And it hasn't gotten that nasty. But they're just struggling with it, and they need help to figure out how to do it, even just to pray through it. Even if it's just that one glass of wine at 5 o'clock every night. Just like, I'm, I'm not going to let it have mastery over me. I do choose to quit drinking coffee for seasons at a time. Because I'm going to say, you don't have mastery over me. You don't have mastery over. Praise the Lord, I'm not going through that season right now. But, <laughs> but you're not having mastery. You know, I think we also need to process this wine impacted you in a negative way. If so, how? Process through that. I mean, it might not be as traumatic as Carol's daughter getting in a car wreck. You know, but I got somebody else that I'm talking to that their daughter, first night in college, goes to a frat party, gets drunk, has sex, it was not a rape, gets pregnant. Man, that's going to impact her for the rest of their, everybody, for the rest of their lives. Process through that, work through that, bring that to the Lord. And then finally, do you believe the old adage, what parents allow in moderation, their children will do in excess? If so, what lifestyle choices must you consider changing? And for me, and because of the 30 kids that I pray for on a regular basis, I'm not going to drink wine. I'm not. And definitely not alcohol and definitely not beer and all those things. I'm not going to do it. Because I don't, want my, I, don't want, I don't want to give the enemy one centimeter of a foothold to come in and let any one of those kids stumble. Now, am I a fool to think that none of them will ever, never, never, ever drink? Yes, I'd be a fool to think that. But it's not going to be because of me. It's not going to be because of me. I don't want to stand strong on that. So, let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. Thank you for this lesson, Lord. I pray for the hearts of these ladies and those that will hear um, what's been taught, Lord, that your, um, your truth will be shown and revealed to them, Lord, and they'll take this and, and process this and ponder it for their own personal choices and what they want to do for their lives and how they want to um, impact those that are around them, Lord. And Lord, I pray against any spirit of condemnation, Lord. I pray that only your Holy Spirit of blessings and, and um, peace would fall upon this place. We love you and we're grateful for who you are. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.